The journey of faith is often filled with obstacles, trials, and struggles. And quite honestly, sometimes it just feels like we're roaming in the wilderness in this culture, in this society. We might be asking, is the Bible relevant to what is going on in our world today? On this podcast, we'll discuss the relevance of the Bible to today's current events and society. Let's welcome in Voice in the Modern Wilderness host, Greg Walden. Thank you, Pastor Jeremiah. I wish to welcome all of you to the Voice in the Modern Wilderness podcast, where our goal is to reach the lost for Christ and to spark a national revival in our land. In today's episode, Yogi Bear is going to teach us some very important spiritual and life lessons. If you're an old geezer like me, you'll remember that Yogi Bear is a cartoon. Back in the age, the golden age of Hanna-Barbera, where he had the Flintstones, the Jetsons, Scooby-Doo, and all those awesome cartoons that us old geezers grew up watching and look forward to seeing every day when we got home from school or on Saturday mornings. Okay, so let's get into today's episode where Yogi Bear teaches us a very important spiritual and life lesson. For our younger audience who may not be aware or familiar with Yogi Bear, Yogi Bear lived in Jellystone Park. Yes, it sounds like Yellowstone. Yes, it's a cartoon version of Yellowstone Park. Okay, anyways... He lives in Jellystone Park with all his other bear friends and other critters and with a little bitty bear cub named Boo Boo. And the park was uh, ran by Ranger Smith. And Ranger Smith is kind of like a stickler for the rules. And one of the main rules of Jellystone Park is, you can guess it, don't feed the bears. So let's introduce the three main players in this scenario. Now, I'm going to give a general assessment of each character personality. The first character being, obviously, Yogi Bear. He's the bigger of the two bears between himself and Boo Boo. Yogi Bear is a carefree, tries to be good, but also has an indulgent weakness for picnic baskets. So, his indulgence with picnic baskets gets him in trouble with Ranger Smith. Okay, obviously the second character is Ranger Smith. He's kind of a stickler. Like I said earlier, he's a stickler for the rules. And he's in charge of keeping order in Jellystone Park. So obviously the main rule is don't feed the bears. Because if one bear starts eating human food, then the rest of the bears are going to want human food and they'll get out of control. And it becomes dangerous for the guests at the park to have a bunch of bears getting used to being around people. So obviously... Don't want bears to get accustomed to being around people and getting too familiar with them. The third character is Boo Boo. According to Wikipedia, Boo Boo is an anthropomorphic bear cub. I can't pronounce that word. He's a bear cub wearing a purple bow tie. He is Yogi Bear's constant companion and often acts as his conscience. He tries, usually unsuccessfully, to keep Yogi from doing things he should not do and also to keep Yogi from getting in trouble with Ranger Smith. So we see three forces represented by Ranger Smith, Boo Boo, and Yogi. Ranger Smith represents the natural order of things. He is in charge of maintaining order in Jellystone Park. 
So there is an order, an established system that has been set up for a purpose. In the spiritual realm, it represents that God has set up things for a purpose. The natural order of things, how things are supposed to go. So that would be that representation on the spiritual realm. Boo-boo represents the conscience that we all have that tells us this is right and this is wrong. It also represents the Bible, where the Bible gives us the direction in which we need to go, how we should live our lives, the way God expects us to handle ourselves. Yogi represents the people, the human being, the sinner, that we all have our weaknesses. And in Yogi's case, Yogi has a weakness with picnic baskets. This weakness of picnic baskets is what I'm going to focus on today. See, Yogi Bear's is a, represents the instant gratification without thinking about the consequences. Yogi Bear sees a picnic basket and says, Man, I've got to have that picnic basket. Obviously, it's probably better food than what Ranger Smith is giving him in his bear cave. So whatever his reason, he sees a picnic basket and he wants it now. He never thinks about the consequences of his actions when he after he gets the picnic basket. He just thinks up to the point of getting the picnic basket. And that is true for our society today. So, we hear Yogi Bear saying, Hey, boo-boo, I see me an expensive car. It's $80,000 and I want it. But, Yogi, you only make minimum wage. It don't matter, boo-boo. All I've got to do is get a loan. And extend it out six or seven years. And it's only $800 a month. I can swing it. Yay! Six months later. Yogi, the repo man is here to get your car. Because you couldn't make the payments. I don't know what happened, boo-boo. I just don't know. Because, Yogi, you don't make enough to afford that car. That's why it got repoed. Hey, boo-boo, this guy is offering me a little smoke of a toke. Hey, just take one little toke. It's perfectly harmless. Hey. But, Yogi, all addictions start with a small little toke. Hey, boo-boo, you're full of doo-doo. I know what I am doing. I have perfect control of myself because I'm Yogi Bear. One year later. Hey, Yogi, I'm here on your visitation. Hey, boo-boo, I don't know why I'm in jail. I don't know what happened, but here I am. I'm serving 25 years. Oh. Yeah, Yogi, that's because you became a drug dealer after you became a drug addict. And now you find yourself locked up for 25 years with Bubba as your cellmate. Hey, boo-boo. Look at that hot bear lady over there. She's very pretty. I think she's asking for my phone number. Hey! But, Yogi, you're married to Cindy Lou. Hey, boo-boo. Cindy Lou will never find out. Hey! I'm Yogi Bear. Nine months later. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha!
By now, I think everybody gets the point. The picnic basket represents temptation, sin. You see, the picnic basket looks delicious and yummy when we're looking at it. Temptation looks appealing. Obviously, there is pleasure to doing the bad things that we shouldn't be doing. Otherwise, people wouldn't be doing it. The problem is that the pleasure that you get is very short-lasting. The consequences are far more lasting than the actual pleasure that that temptation gives you. Billy Graham uh, has an article where somebody asks him a question. Why does the Bible say that there is pleasure in sin? And he answers, quote, The Bible declares that there can be pleasure in sin. We know this from our own experience. But the Bible also says that sin's pleasure is only for a season, Hebrews 11, verse 25. Then it's over, leaving us bitter and finally destroying us. A day of reckoning always comes. The Bible says, quote, Be sure your sin will find you out. Numbers 32, verse 23, unquote. And he also continues, quote, In Luke 15, we read of a loving father and his son who learned this lesson the hard way. The boy had been reared in a wonderful home where God was worshipped. The young man, though gazed out in the world and wanted to experience life beyond the gates of home. He asked for his inheritance while his father still lived and went out and foolishly squandered all he had been given. He lived a sinful lifestyle and found himself in a pig pen eating with the pigs. It was quite a different environment from what he had known. He sank so low that he had no choice but to return home in humiliation, planning to ask if he could live there as a servant. To his shock, his father welcomed him home as his beloved son. A repentant heart brought the father and son back together again, and this is what the Lord Jesus will do for all those who confess their sin and return home to the Heavenly Father. True repentance is a turning from sin and living for God. We can be convicted of sin. We can pray and confess our sin. We can repent of our sin. But the real test is our willingness to obey the Lord. Christ himself gives the power to flee sin and seek his righteousness. Unquote. It is very sad to see people, I mean there's hordes of people, living in the pig pen. The pig pen obviously is the consequences for disobeying God's standards for how you should live your life. When you get so far in debt that you can't see your head from your rear end, I mean, you're working two to three jobs, and still all your paychecks from all three jobs goes to bills and leaves you depressed, destitute, and wondering where in life are you going, how you're ever going to get out of this, and end up in bankruptcy court where your credit's going to be affected for 7 to 10 years after that. So that small decision to get the picnic basket of debt for a short gratification of return leads to over a decade or even more of suffering because of that small time you went and grabbed the picnic basket. People who you know, are promiscuous, who have sex with every partner that they can find, end up with two to three STDs, living the rest of their life with all these different STDs 
You know, some of them like AIDS will kill you. I mean, go, you know, sleeping with the wrong person can be a death sentence. So when you're out there violating the Bible where it says, you know, keep sex inside a marriage, you should only be having sex with your married spouse. And that should be the only person on earth you should be having sex with. Only when you're married. There is a reason why God states this. God has a specific order for how things are to go in your lives. And it's there for your protection. He does this for your protection. He sets boundaries, just like you do with your kids. You set boundaries for your kids. Why? Because you love them. You know that you just cannot let them just do anything they, they will please. Because a lot of things they will please will hurt or kill them. I mean, you don't you tell them not to go outside and play in the street. That's a boundary. You're telling them stay off the street. Why? Because there's cars out there that can get that can hit them. I knew a young lady when I was uh, in middle school. I was at the bus stop. These two girls, they're sisters, and they're always playing or running across the street, playing or in the street. And I constantly tell them, "Get out of the street, girls. You don't need to be out there." And it's like they kept doing it, kept doing it, kept doing it. Well, I moved to Indiana, and I was in high school at the time. And uh, my mom found out that that one girl got hit by a car and killed because she was playing in the street. She didn't understand that there was, she didn't understand the boundaries. They kept violating the boundaries and they eventually, and sadly, the young girl paid the ultimate price for going across the boundaries. So we set boundaries for our kids. And the same reason God sets boundaries for us because we're his children. He sets boundaries for us so that we won't go out and have to suffer or, or be killed going outside those boundaries. So in God's word, he says, don't be in debt. Oh, no, man, nothing. Do not. This, the borrower is the slave to the lender. So God tells us in his word, don't go in debt. Why? Because God knows the pain that people who are in debt will have to go through to get themselves out. And sometimes they never get themselves out. Because in our day of easy credit cards, easy credit, I mean, there's credit all over the place. You can easily get yourself buried up to your grandchildren's necks. I mean, you could bury yourself in debt so far that you cannot get out of it. And it's so easy to do nowadays. I mean, I remember 20, 30 years ago, just to get a, a credit card for a computer was a pain in the butt. And it's there for a reason. They, they want to make sure that you can afford it. But nowadays, they've lowered the, the standards for getting credit. And a lot of places will lend you money without even doing a credit check. It's easy to get in debt. I mean, there's loan sharks out there that'll charge you 40 to 50% interest for a loan. You'll never get out of that debt. Never, never, never. It's, it's, it's so easy to get it. So that picnic basket is so readily available to everybody nowadays. That debt picnic basket. It's there. It looks delicious. I can get what I want right now. Boom. Give it to me. And next thing you know, you, yeah, you get to, you get the little toy or whatever it is in a picnic basket. But guess what? You're going to be paying for that little toy for the next untold amount of years. And you may never pay because depending on how many toys you get at how many picnic baskets you eat out of or what what picnic basket you eat out of you're going to be slapped for a long time versus the right way to do it if you want something is to save up and pay cash 
and not owe nobody nothing. And you you own that, whatever it is that you wanted. You avoid the picnic basket altogether. You see people stuck on drug addictions. I mean, crazy, crazy drug addictions. Because, and if you ask most drug people how they got started in their drug addiction, they're not going to tell you they did coke or crack or heroin, you know, five times a day. It's going to be one little toke of probably just a light drug like marijuana. I took a, a joint puff one day and then I was hooked. And then this is where we get into the political issue of legalizing marijuana, folks. And a lot of people may disagree. People may argue, but marijuana is a gateway drug. It's a gateway drug to, to harder drugs. That's why I'm against legalization of marijuana. It should stay criminalized just like any other drug. Illicit drug, that is. So it starts with one little toke, the picnic basket of just, oh, just take one little toke. It'll calm your pain, blah, 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 blah. And all it takes, you take that one little toke and you open yourself up to the lifetime of addiction and possibly even death because, I mean, once you start toking that, it gets into worser and harder, harder. You got to have more of it, got to have more of it. And sometimes it also leads into harder drugs. And the harder drugs, a lot of them, like cocaine, can kill you. Crack can kill you with one use. You hit one time, you're dead. Look how many celebrities. I mean, you see it all in the news. Celebrities found dead from drug overdoses. And you think they started that way with that hard drugs that they were on? No. They started out with light drugs like marijuana or they may have had a prescription you know, a controlled prescription, say you take one a day type thing, and it just became more and more addicting to them. And next thing you know, it cost them their life. That's the way sin is, folks. It's a little bitty, it's a little bitty, it's like a worm on a hook for a fish. Oh, that worm, the fish love the worms. I mean, fish eat worms. And it's delicious, delicious. And as soon as the fish takes the bite of that worm, they're gone. They're, they're hooked and they're dead. That's how sin is, folks. It's a lure. That picnic basket is a lure. You have to think when you're tempted that, and there's temptations, guys. Everybody's going to be tempted. If you're a human being drawn breath, you're going to be tempted. I'm tempted all the time. And I'm sure everybody that you talk to are tempted all the time. It's, you're human. You're going to be tempted. Jesus himself was tempted. But, when you're tempted, God always provides a way of escape through Jesus Christ. But God also gives us common sense, a brain to think with. That's why you got to know the Bible. you got to know the B-I-B-L-E. Because when Jesus was tempted, he countered with the word of God. When the devil tempted him three times, every three times, Jesus replied, It is written. It is written. It is written. And the devil cannot cannot stand up against the word of God. Can't. So when Jesus was tempted, it is written. It is written. It is written. So that's the way out of our temptation. We, When the devil tempts us with whatever it is that he's tempting us with, that picnic basket, we just say to the devil, it is written. It is written. We're not using our words. Our words carry no authority. But God's word is authority. So we respond with God's word when the devil tempts us. It is written. It is written. So when 
you're out there, credit card comes by, hey, we'll give you $9,000 credit, you can afford that new Xbox, and you can't really afford it. It is written, oh no man, nothing. It is written, the borrower is the slave to the lender. It is written. In conclusion, guys, I hope this episode really helps y'all who are listening to this. I pray that it gets through to your head, gets into your heart. That way you can identify the picnic baskets of temptations that come our way. And to avoid the instant gratification mentality of today's society. Because right now we have half the American population being lured by the instant gratification mentality that the Democrat Party is out there rallying votes with. Think about it. All this stuff they're offering, Medicare for all, all this stuff, free abortions, blah, blah, blah. It's the instant gratification mentality. You know, we can talk about the subject of abortion, okay? Abortion. 99% of abortions are because of elective abortions, meaning the life of the mother is not in danger. It's just a mother doesn't want the child. And it's a cop-out of accepting responsibility for an action. Okay, two people decided to have sex, okay? Obviously, you know, if you know the birds and the bees, there's a byproduct of having sex, folks. One of them is pregnancy. And they decide to have sex, and all of a sudden, mama gets pregnant. Well, I shouldn't have to deal with the consequence of one night of passion. Therefore, kill the baby. Therefore, hey, there you go. Kill the baby. That way we can have sex and don't have to deal with the consequences of it. That is the mentality of our society today. That's why we have so much abortion. Is because, and they're lured with it. Hey, I, can, I don't have to spend nine months carrying the baby and in a lifetime of taking care of it. I can just kill it. That is instant gratification mentality. The welfare system we have today, instant gratification. I don't have to go work. I can just sit at home, watch TV, and have somebody else pay for my upkeep and living. That's instant gratification. Laziness. You're rewarding laziness by subsidizing it. And also, you're also subsidizing it by the people who do work. I mean, the list goes on. But the Democrat Party capitalizes on the picnic basket the instant gratification mentality to attract people to vote for them. And unfortunately, we're in a society where the new gener- generations growing up expecting that everybody owes them something and they got to have it now. Now. You can't work for it. You can't do the old-fashioned way and save up. Got to have it now. Maybe it's that because how the parents raised them. Interesting. Parents giving little Johnny and Susie everything they want without any expectation of earning it. Hmm. Yep, I'm stepping on toes, ain't I? We, I see a lot of it, guys. Go to Walmart. If you spend any time at Walmart, you'll see this in action. Kid tosses a fit. Mommy or daddy buys them the toy. What's that teaching them? You wonder why they grow up with this instant gratification mentality of they got to have it now because that's how they were two years ago. The person 
who always has to have instant gratification is basically a two-year-old living in an adult body. They haven't grown up mentally. Their body has grown up, but their mindset is still that of a five-year-old who has to have it and have it now. Mmm, man. Sorry, guys. If I'm stepping on toes, sorry. Truth hurts, but I got to tell the truth. An adult, a mature adult, knows that they've got to work and earn for what they need or even what they want. You see, I would like to go on mountain bike trips. Does anybody owe me a mountain bike trip? No. Do I go out there and charge a mountain bike trip? No. I save up the money to go on a mountain bike trip. And if I don't have the money, I don't go on the mountain bike trip. Does it hurt if I don't get to go on a mountain bike trip? Yes, because I really like going on mountain bike trips. But is it worth months and years of financial struggling because I charged a $1,000 mountain bike trip when I really couldn't afford it? It's not worth it. So another thing to think of, folks, when you're tempted by these things is not to really look at the picnic basket. Look at what happens after the picnic basket. Is it worth the pain, the anguish, the suffering? You have to look at that, guys. Look at it. If you look at the suffering part after the picnic basket, it makes the picnic basket less appealing. Okay? Okay, I, yeah, I'm, here's a, I'm here. I'm, I'm a married guy. There is, you know, I, I walk down a road and sometimes you're not thinking about it. You see a pretty woman, mm, giggity, giggity, giggity. Okay, I'm, 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 I'm just keeping it real, folks. Okay, is it worth the, 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 the anguish, the, the loss of fellowship with God, the, the, the marital problems? You know, the list goes on. I mean, potential STDs. I mean, is it worth it? No, it's no, no way. It's, and then plus, I don't want to hurt God. I love, I love God too much to do that. So, no, even though the temptation, the picnic basket's right in front of my eyes, hey, you know what? When you look at all the consequences after the picnic basket, that picnic basket isn't as appealing anymore. So, and the main focus, obviously, like I said, I'm a Christian, and I'm there because I love Jesus. I don't want to even touch the picnic basket. I run from the picnic basket. And that's what, how we should run, do with temptation. We need to run from temptation, not run to it, Run from it. So, these are hard, real lessons. How we should handle ourselves in life. Alright guys, this is the end of the episode. I appreciate you listening. Have a good day and God bless. Thank you for listening to this episode of Voice in the Modern Wilderness. The goal of this podcast is to reach the lost for Jesus Christ and spark a national revival in our nation. I pray that the message of these podcasts reaches your heart, and if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can be saved today, right now. Jesus Christ stands at the door of your heart and asks you to open the door to Him. He desires to save you today and right now. You don't have to do 100 Hail Marys or worry that your life is too dirty for Him to welcome you. You come as you are dirty and wretched, just like all of us who are saved came to Him at one point in our lives. All it takes is for you to surrender your life to Him right now. 
Jesus will do the cleaning. All you need to do is come to him in humility and repentance for your sins and ask him to forgive you of your sins right now and he will forgive you of all your sins. He will start a new work in you. He will make you a new creation and your life will never be the same again. He offers you freedom you have never experienced and joy that you cannot explain. If God's Spirit is convicting you now that the message of the gospel is true, do not ignore it. Open your heart to Jesus now and allow him to do a new work in you and set you free from sin, death, and hell. If you want to get saved today, please pray along with me right now. Father God, I am convinced the message of the gospel is true and I believe that your only son, Jesus Christ, came down to earth through the virgin birth, lived a sinless life, and went to the cross of Calvary to lay down his life for my sins and rose again on the third day as evidence of him being the King of kings and Lord of lords, and because he rose again through him, so shall I rise again. Because he conquered the grave, so shall I conquer the grave. I believe Jesus Christ sits at the right hand of the Father and is preparing a place for me in heaven, and I want to repent of my sins right now. I turn away from the sinful lifestyle I have been living and ask you to forgive my sins, and I make you Lord of my life right now. I will read your word and do what you say in your word from this point forward. I surrender my will to your will, Lord Jesus, and one day you are coming again for all those who have believed and put their trust in you so that we may be where you are. I come to you in faith believing and thank you for sacrificing yourself for my sins and receive salvation that you have paid for and offer. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for forgiving me now and making me a new creation. I thank you for filling me with your Holy Spirit and I wish to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit so that I may overcome sin as you have overcome the world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you have believed and prayed that prayer in faith believing, I wish to rejoice with you and be assured that your life will never be the same again. The Bible says that the angels rejoice in heaven when one lost soul comes to salvation in Christ. And right now there is a party going on in heaven just because you have come home to Jesus. You have escaped the judgment of hell that would have fallen on you had you not received this wonderful salvation. I also encourage you to find a local Bible-believing church and talk to the pastor, the deacons, the elders of the church to let them know, hey, I just got saved and give me direction where I should go, help you find a ministry, and fulfill the Great Commission to reach all the lost for Jesus Christ in the world. I wish to thank all of you for listening to my podcast and encourage you to let others know of my podcast series. I am praying that this podcast series will grow and reach more people and would appreciate your help in accomplishing this. I wish all of you God bless and look forward to bringing you more content, so please stay tuned for more podcasts from Voice in the Modern Wilderness. Have a great rest of your day. Bye-bye.